And we're joined now by Darren Kelly. He's the job spot. Darren, what have you got today? John, we've got four in total. We're going to start with Jack Jordans in Duishka are looking for experienced staff. Please email your CV to inquiries at jackjordans.ie. Job opportunity for graduates with disabilities. Ahead, Ireland have partnered with Boston Scientific Galway to offer a STEM graduate programme spot exclusively for applicants with disabilities. Closing on March the 1st, see ahead.ie for more. Full-time mechanic wanted in own more. Immediate start, good rate of pay. Send your CV to wearehiringkmax at gmail.com. I'll just spell that out. W-E-A-R-E-H-I-R-I-N-G-K-M-C-S at gmail.com. And finally, general maintenance operator required for Anthony Ryan's Galway. 20 hours per week. For further information, call 091-567-061. And if you need any phone numbers or email addresses, please call our reception on 091 77 Search hashtag Galway Jobs on social media or go to goebfm.ie forward slash jobspot. Well, thanks, Darren. And you're welcome back into today's programme. And we'll be looking very shortly at the mother and baby homes exhumations, which are set to begin this year. This is coming from Cabinet, um, so we're hoping to get an update on that very shortly. But first, let me go to your text and comment lines. A lot of text and comments coming in today. This one, first ministers going overseas are invaluable in highlighting tourism in Ireland and they get such positivity and wonderful feedback on these trips. They are a huge positive in the tourism industry. Also, we're going to have a look at someone else says, what bullology? Tell that man to stop talking. We are sick of listening to the environment. He makes me sick. Let him take out his rosary beads. Sick listening to all of this. Also, If they'd stop using their private planes and cut down on emissions by using ordinary planes, would that not make more sense? Maybe it might. Also here, Joe here, I'm a farmer in Gorts and I'm getting sick listening every day about the green environment situation. There's more important issues like Galway hospitals, traffic, uh, congestion held up due to climate action plan, When is this country, when it was on its knees, it was farmers and country farms that kept this economy going. Everything in rural Ireland is being subjected to this green agenda. It's going to ruin the culture of our country. Another listener texts in, How come there is never balance in the argument on climate change? Agriculture is the easy target, as there is less than 100,000 farmers. But if aviation was targeted, it will affect millions of passengers. Agriculture is not the production of crops, it's production of food and fibre from the world's lands and waters for human survival. There is only approximately 18% of land on earth which is suitable for crop production. There are far better studies and practices showing how we can solve climate change, but not necessarily popular because it involves increasing animal agriculture. Everyone should look at the... uh, Institute, uh, the Alan Savory Institute, and see what is happening in practical solutions on the ground. That comes in from Eamon from there, and there are more comments coming in. Everyone fairly aggrieved today. But now we're going to change tact and we're going to look at something which is hopefully finally a bit of positive news here on that mother and baby homes exclamation story because it's due to begin later this year. This is uh, the murmurs coming out of Cabinet. We're joined on the line by Breda Murphy, the PRO of the Toom Mother and Baby Home Alliance. Breda, a very good morning to you. Good morning, John. Breda, talk to us about the murmurs coming out of Cabinet. What do you understand? We're hearing there, and it's in the Irish Times article, that it looks like 
the excavations at Tume will be able to begin later this year? Well, we've heard this before, and I suppose until the sod in the ground in Tume is actually lifted, I will find it difficult to believe, because if you remember Dr. Neve McCullough, who was the lead archaeologist, said that within six months of them leaving the site, that the um, ground should actually be dug up and the remains taken out in order to safeguard the DNA and match with the family members that had given or would give DNA. And so it seems to me that the government at this point have not yet set up, um, they were to set up the Forensic Science Laboratory or part of that where the DNA would be taken from the relatives of the children so that it could be safely stored because you will know that our members and uh, people who have been in the home are elderly, some, many of them, and some have passed away since the government in 2021, in January 21, um, apologised and uh, announced that they would indeed um, begin an excavation at some point in June. So while, it, of course, it's good news that we hear it will, it will happen this year, um, I, I really, I wouldn't hold my breath because we've heard that from Minister Sapone and she's been gone a few years already. So until it happens, you know, we cannot say for sure it's happening. I know that the Minister, Roderick O'Gorman, is updating Cabinet on his plan and he will tell colleagues that there have been almost 7,000 applications to the Adoption Authority of Ireland and TUSLA for information since the Birth Information and Tracing Act was launched, with 2,000 cases completed. Yeah, it's highly significant, the timing of this, because tomorrow the redress bill is again before the doll for the final time. And we were up for the last vote on it there uh, this month. And uh, the amendments, there were nine amendments to that legislation. Seven were ruled out of order, which could not be heard at all. And two were then voted down by the government. So that redress bill is unfit for purpose, as was indeed the birth information and tracing bill, which the minister now says is doing lots for for our people. In fact, they were to provide um, the information to those who were applying within 30 days. So from the 1st of October, people would have it on the 1st of November. Then it went to 90 days. Now it's the end of July that they will get that information, June, July. So... It has not been a success, and not everybody, the mothers, cannot get the information. And as regards um, the Commission's report, judicial reviews were taken on that. The redress bill tomorrow, 26,040% of survivors are excluded, who the government themselves admit were in the homes. But because the children were there less than six months, they have decided, the Cabinet and government have decided, that they do not qualify for any form of redress whatsoever. So to all intents and purposes, uh, the government look upon them as not at all being in the home. And many of those were illegally adopted. And yesterday, if your listeners were listening to Joe Duffy, and I would suggest listen again today, um, uh, people who are excluded were speaking there. And one particular mother, she was um, 13 giving birth. She had been raped. The child... Um, She never saw her baby then, Um, but she is now asking that her child, who she has been reunited with, will be able to access redress. Many who were adopted 
are not able to access the redress because they were maybe adopted at two days, maybe at three weeks, but certainly within the six-month period. So to exclude so many people is really what uh, everybody's up in arms about. It was on Morning Ireland yesterday, and we've had tremendous support. The government are not listening. The voting um, last time across opposition were all in favour and looked at us in the gallery and supported us 100%. And the votes, they only won by about nine votes to to, uh, cast down the amendments. So the legislation is likely to pass. It will come before the Shannon then. Uh, It will likely go through there. And it will hold up the courts again because eight judicial reviews were previously taken and those judicial reviews were settled by the minister in favour of survivors. So that will again happen. And why the state, why the government proceed in this way is beyond anybody's comprehension. But it shows a certain arrogance of power. It shows that they have unlimited resources to, um, uh, that are taxpayers' money. And it has been used unwisely in this instance. So I would hope that tomorrow our representatives who are in government, the likes of Anne Rabbit, will vote with the women of Ireland, for the women of Ireland who were in these institutions and not, um, not ignore us once more because it really is a shame. And I think that's why today, the Cabinet meeting today, is looking at what good news can the Minister provide to the press because the press are 100% on our side. The, the public are as well. So the minister, of course, is on the back foot. And it's interesting, in Dáil Éireann, when we sat in the gallery, the minister sat across from the opposition. He was absolutely, for the entire time, alone. Nobody sat behind, beside him. And if it were good news, I know, and I've said this before, that all of the all of the government ministers would line in beside them. They would all be happy to speak to us. Not one of them, when they came in to vote against us, looked up at us. Yet all of the opposition, they waved. They came up. Catherine Connolly, um, all of Sean Canny was there. Uh, Noel Grealish. They all voted for us. Dennis Nocton, and here were across the table. Roderick O'Gorman on his own and it, honestly you would feel sorry for him because the Fianna Fáil Byngale government are, um, were in power during the years of the mother and baby homes and the Green Party are now uh, progressing their agenda and denying the rights to thousands of people and it is criminal it is criminal quite honestly I am Uh, You know, uh, there are days when you just wonder what is next in this. But certainly, with regard to the first question you asked me, in relation to the excavation works at Shoom, we hope it happens soon. But I would urge the Minister to now begin taking DNA from those who are related to the children of Shoom so that ultimately they can be matched. Because they should have done that eight years ago. They should have done it at the very beginning. But, um, you know, we're, we're years too late for some people who have passed away. Yeah. And that's the reality. Let's call a spade a spade here, Breda, because this redress scheme tomorrow, as you say, is unfit for purpose. The reason that them limitations have been put on it, they're financial, they're checks and balances to keep the cost mm-hmm. down. Yeah, that appears to be the only reason. There may be another reason, which is, 
access to documentary evidence. We don't always get access, in fact, it's hindered, um, to either diocesan records that are held as well. And you have to remember, this is on behalf of your listeners, and I would ask them to impress upon their TDs or anybody in political power or anybody in the church. The religious orders have not stepped up to the plate and have not provided any redress towards the mother and baby homes. Uh, Dennis Nocton is possibly the best speaker in Leinster House on the vaccine trials. He has talked about vaccine trials and where children were used as guinea pigs or lab rats. Now, I know when I say that, it sounds absolutely terrible, but various institutions came across from the UK um, and they came into our institutions here because it was easier to get those children together and to then, they had multiple injections. I mean, Conrad spoke on Upfront with Katie Hannan. He was subjected to a polio vaccine, not once, but a number of vaccines of the same vaccine. And that was to see how he would react over a short period of time. But there was no follow-up. And the Commission's report did not follow up to see how did these children fare afterwards. The, the health implications. And many children have health issues uh, now as adults that were either hereditary, that they did not know of because they couldn't access their mother's file. Um, and, you know, the vaccine trial that could have caused harm to them was never again mentioned. So they weren't followed up either in a foster home or boarded out home, certainly for Tume. There was no follow-up at all as to their care. Um, and it's, it's good that Tume is included, but not all institutions are included. So this is how the government is so dividing people, setting survivor against survivor simply because one was there for six months and a day and one was there for five months and 30 days instead of the 31 days of the month. I mean, it is absolutely wrong what they're doing. There's no justification. And we've asked Minister O'Gorman to explain, and you will remember, or rather Keith will remember, when Anne Rabbit was on with me on um, Keith's show, she said herself she felt uncomfortable about the six-month rule, and she would go back to the minister to ask him uh, about it. She has never since spoken of that. So they have to be uncomfortable. I mean, at some stage, they will be coming to our doors for our votes, and this will be on everybody's lips, because the women came from our communities and gave birth in those homes. The children live, who are elderly now, live within our communities with families. Some have never spoken because of the stigma that's still associated, and the state is reinforcing that stigma today by not providing justice. They have been told by the UN, by Human Rights Watch, by ICCL, the Irish Civil Liberties Council. They've been told by everybody that what they are doing is absolutely wrong. Uh, But yet they seem committed and determined to push through legislation that is, as I said earlier, unfit for purpose. Yeah, you mentioned the upcoming general election around two years' time, possibly sooner than that if one is called, but a great champion of your cause there. You mentioned him as well earlier on, Deputy Dennis Nocton. He won't be running. He's a big loss. He's a massive loss, an an absolute massive loss. He has been 
possibly of, uh, when I need somebody to speak on vaccine trials or when I want to get some information, he is the person I get on to. He has been committed to the children of the industrial schools uh, long before, around the time of Mary Raftery, because that's where vaccine trials first raised their ugly head. And the state quashed any investigation that was going ahead at that time. There was to be an investigation. But, of course, this is what happens time and again. The state will say, well, we will get a report on this. And, and to be fair, they did commission a report to meet with our survivors and ourselves called the Oak Report. And uh, that happened, and over a two-month period last year, it went into government, and the government ignored the advices within that. So they based the redress um, proposal on the length of stay that people were in the home, not on forced family separation. And 85% of the people that were uh, talked to by O Consulting said that they must base it on the fact that mother and child could not bond, were kept apart. And listening to Joe Duffy yesterday, I mean, the, the show, it was just harrowing. The accounts there, the mothers who are overseas, their children overseas who are, there, are reunited with, who are again excluded. So it's a double blow, if you like. It's like heaping trauma on top of trauma and saying, no, you don't qualify because we do not recognise. Mm. Regardless of how the uh, minister may come out and say and apologise, that apology does not apply to any of those people who are not included. In, and this as well for the boarded out children from the age, particularly for Chum, who were boarded out from the age, many of them from the age of four and a half. And up until the age of 16, the state was responsible. So that, again, the children's ombudsman, former children's ombudsman, Conor O'Mahony, again impressed upon the state and wrote very recently, only in the last two weeks, that they have the opportunity to include the boarded-out children for the um, abuse they suffered within those homes without any auditing. Nobody was coming out from government. or And there were voices raised. There were people in the community who were trying to help those children. And they were in County Galway. There were very good families who did a lot of good for the children. Um, but there were others where they were enslaved. Uh, enslaved and, and they did not get an education. And community, the people in the community knew that. And, uh, for instance, in one case, a teacher saw that a child was regularly hungry in school, and so she tried to feed the child, to give mm. her own food to that child. And she was reprimanded for it because the family found out. So, you know, the hurt and the pain that is clearly very evident. And we heard it in Valnaslow. Um, a lady, an American lady, wrote a book called The House Children, based on the experiences of women who had immigrated to Boston, where she is, and had been in Chum, and then subsequently went uh, under the Sisters of Mercy in Balnaslow, where the library now is. And we gathered in that library, and many local community came into Balnaslow that day. And there were men in their 70s crying, because they said, and, and women, they said, we did not speak up for the children then. Mm. Now, when you have that pain within a community where those people themselves are elderly and are feeling that pain of uh, trauma after so many years of not speaking, when they themselves were very vulnerable children, we have not healed as a society while we ignore the human rights abuses that happened within these institutions. And it's very, very simple for the government 
to just, you know, do what's right by the women and children who have suffered so much for decades. Um, they have that opportunity tomorrow. We will be watching from 5 p.m. onwards. You'll see it on Oireachtas TV. And you will see all of the members of government line in just at voting time, not beforehand. Mm. And they will all ignore the gallery and they will press their vote and vote with the party whip. And no party whip, I would ask um, Leo Varadkar, Michal Martin and Eamon Ryan to not impose the party whip. And let's see, particularly for the women who are in government, let's see who votes with us uh, with conscience then. Because, uh, you know, it's really, I think it's crushing blow to to those who are speaking today, to, to those who spoke yesterday on Joe Duffy. And hopefully he will have another uh, lineup. I mean, the phones were hopping yesterday. He was going from one line to another, to survivor to survivor, who is excluded simply because it's an arbitrary decision. There is no rhyme, sense or reason to it. But the government can do it because they have the numbers. And that's the only reason. Well, I tell you, we'll be looking at that uh, redress bill tomorrow evening with great anticipation as well. And I'd like to do a bit on the programme tomorrow with survivors, but I know you're on to me before Christmas about possibly getting some Galway survivors on. Tomorrow I think it'd be a very timely day to do that. So I'll get you in contact with Darren out there, uh, my producer, and we'll, we'll organise that for tomorrow as well. But Breda Murphy, the PRO of the Two Mother Baby Home Alliance, thank you for joining us on Galway Talks. Now, still to come on the programme, we'll be looking at the Galway Chamber charity Linner event, which is taking place this Friday. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Now we're looking at the Galway Chamber Charity Linner event, which is supporting the Galway Hospice. And we're joined live in studio now by Dermot Nolan, who is the Galway Chamber President. Dermot, very good morning to you. Good morning, John. Uh, thank you for bringing me in to talk about this great event. No, we're delighted. We're delighted. Talk to us about the uh, Galway Chamber Charity Linner event, the first year of it, and you're supporting a great cause here in Galway, the Galway Hospice. Yeah, well, I, uh, I think from a Galway Chamber perspective, we said it was time that we took the opportunity to actually give something back and to ask the business community to actually come together, uh, have uh, an actual uh, a um, enjoyable afternoon and obviously raise much needed funds and give it to Galway Hospice. And that was really where the whole, um, the whole like... Uh, like idea came from it started off as being the first lady's lunch uh, that was a play on my wife Louise being the first lady of the president so that was uh, <laughs> that was how it started and then after that it moved into the actual Linner and uh, Linner uh, is uh, I've been informed because I didn't really know as to what it was <laughs> it's a mixture of a late lunch and an early dinner a late lunch, lunch and an early okay. dinner that's why it kicks off at three it's the afternoon version of a brunch yes. that's the way I describe it, but I would have heard a brunch, all right. But yeah, yes. Linner, I had to, I had to Google that one to yes. see. Yes, so yeah, so that's why it kicks off at three p.m. on Friday. Mm. It's in uh, Jekyll. That's part of the Hyde Hotel, <laughs> and yeah, and that's it. And everything that's been raised is uh, goes to Galway Hospice. Yeah. Uh, we have lots of entertainment throughout the whole afternoon, lots of prizes. So it should be a really um, enjoyable afternoon. Any big names in particular in terms of the entertainment, or can you reveal? I can't reveal currently. We're uh, <laughs> working through, but there are a few 
um, surprises. Good. Is, is what I'd say. That's know. what I like to hear. That's yeah. what I like to hear. Talk to us though about uh, the, the charity you're doing this for Galway Hospice, well known to um, people across the region, providing specialist palliative care services to adults and children with cancer and other life limiting illnesses throughout the county. A great initiative, I suppose. An easy decision for you as a chamber to, to pick them. Well, uh, first of all, they are. Uh, a a super charity and very very deserving. But uh, how we pick them is that we have quite a number of charities who are members of Galway Chamber. Mm. So it was a random choice this year. Yeah, and we hope that um, we actually keep having this year on year um, as we move forward, and we will move the actual recipient of the funds year on year uh, in order to actually spread it across all of our member charities. Who was the brainchild behind this? Uh, I'd, I'd have to call out Kenny Deary, our, 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 our um, CEO. It was his idea. It was uh, one evening we were having a, a drink uh, and it came up with the idea of the First Lady's Lunch and that's how it actually evolved. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose you have put emails and stuff out to your members. Uh, how is it filling up so far for Friday? Uh, it is uh, starting to fill up. I think it's a typical Galway pattern that people can be slow to actually book. Um, but uh, we only have 80 spaces. Okay. Uh, tickets are actually are like selling very well now. Yeah. So I'd ask people to uh, get on galwaychamber.com, book their tickets to make sure that they actually can attend and they don't be disappointed when it comes to Wednesday evening and all of the spaces are gone. Yeah. And it's uh, 90 euro per person plus a booking fee. That's good value considering you're getting your dinner and your entertainment as well. Yeah, well, it's a drinks reception, dinner, wine, lots of entertainment, lots of prizes uh, as well. Hmm. So, yeah, we think it is good and it is good value given that all proceeds are going to go. Good cause, yeah. yeah. Uh, talk to me about yourself, though. I know you're a bit of a sporting man there. You play a lot of hockey. Well, I try indeed, yes. Uh, I've, I'm president of... of Sorry, of... Um, Galway Hockey Club. I've been that for many years. Uh, I also uh, play on the uh, Irish Over 55s Masters team. Wow. So that keeps me busy as well. So, and how, uh, how are they progressing or how are they doing? Uh, well, they're doing well. We were at the uh, at the Masters World Cup last October down in Cape Town and they had a team I was on we actually came third uh, within wow. our um, division so that was super. Great. The Home Nations are coming up in June in the UK and then the 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 um, Europeans are on in Valencia, in Spain in July. So okay. we've a lot of training to do uh, before those events, and hopefully Great. we can uh, play well um, when we get there. We might get you on the sporting context. So I'll get on to Ollie Turner, the lads, to talk about that. But I, I was laughing before we came on air. Um, I I said was Masters over forty, and you went no over fifty fives. And I just had the image in my head of the father Ted soccer team. <laughs> well, I was very impressed that you said over forty when you were looking at me. So I'll take that uh, no, as a compliment. You don't look you know? it. You don't yeah, look yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, um, Dermot uh, Nolan, the uh, Galway Chamber President. Uh, thanks indeed for joining us here on Galway Talks, and best of luck to all involved there on uh, Friday. It's there at 3 o'clock at the Jekyll at the Hyde Hotel there on Friday. Uh, not quite lunch, not quite dinner, this uh, inaugural uh, President's Charity Liner. Um, Dermot Nolan, Galway Chamber President, thank you for joining us on Galway Talks. Thank you very much. Still to come up on today's programme, we'll be looking at the Blue Raincoat Theatre Company as they present Happy Days by Samuel Beckett at the Town Hall Theatre today. Don't go anywhere.
Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. You're welcome back into today's programme for the final slot of the morning. Where the hell did that morning go? But we're joined now by Sandra O'Malley. She's part of the cast of this Happy Days by Samuel Beckett, which is being held and hosted by the Blue Raincoat Theatre Company today at 8 o'clock in the Town Hall Theatre. Sandra, very good morning to you. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Very well, Sandra. Very well. Sandra, talk to us about Happy Days by Samuel Beckett. It's taking place this evening in the Town Hall Theatre. Correct. Uh, for one night only. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're doing a national tour of Happy Days around the country. Um, so, yes, one night in Galway. Here we have it. We believe the crowds are good so far. So we're delighted about that and delighted to be back in Galway. Yeah, it's all good. Happy Days, Beckett. Yeah. Talk to us a bit about it for people who might not be familiar with it. Yeah, so we find uh, there's two characters, uh, Winnie and Willie, her husband. Uh, Winnie, we find uh, at the top of the play, buried in a mound up to her waist. And she doesn't necessarily dwell on her situation. Uh, she sort of gets on with things as best she can, sort of keeps keeps going uh, keeps getting on with things uh, in, the, in the face of adversity, let's call it, you know. Uh, in the second act, we find her up to her neck. So literally all, all she has left is her voice and, 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 and her sight, her little eye movements, you know. So still trying to get on with it. But, you know, uh, you know when, he's, when he's very human, you know, she's not a caricature, so... You know, you do see the vulnerabilities, you do see, you know, her fear and all of the things that I guess that we experience ourselves as human beings, you know? No, it's great to, to see that and to hear that because I know that's one thing we do very well in this country is that human aspect to the theatre. And that's what makes the, the theatre so brilliant and so captivating to audiences. We see it there on the on the big screen with the likes of the Banshee of Inishir and what the director's been able to do there. And it sounds like that's being propagated here in this production. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we've we've worked fairly hard on it because, you know, we've it's a very complex play and we've kind of had to dig deep, uh, you know, in, into um, not necessarily looking for meaning because Beckett would, would uh, you know, slap me now if he was around today <laughs> to say that, you know, but it's the idea of things running out and running out and, and Willie, your husband, is running out. And it's really, you know, an experience of, 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 of survival in, in, in one sense of the word, of resilience, of, of trying to, to, to keep... Uh, keep going you know under under a difficult situation and uh using everything within one's ability to do that and for me that's that you know that's what uh, you know as an actor that's what you're kind of doing you're getting up there and uh you know you've you've kind of got to give it your best shot you know um and, and be entertaining as well it has to be said at the same time you know yeah. <laughs> because that's what it's about in terms of of, you know, a night out at the theatre, you know, that's what we all kind of look for, isn't it, John? Yeah. And, and talk to us about the, the essence of the play itself. It, it sounds like it's a real, it's a real drama-like. Yes. Uh, like, it's, it's not your kind of average kitchen sink drama, but in actual fact, 
you know, we've got Willie, uh, her husband, who lives in a little hole, and, you know, he tends to sleep a lot and read the newspaper. We've got Winnie, meanwhile, you know, up in her little mound, and, uh, as I said, trying to get on with her day. But, you know, she brushes her teeth, she, she puts on her lippy, she gets herself sort of ready for the day, moves on to the next thing, tries to sort of stave off, you know, the fact that the things are running out. But it's, it's, there is a domestic scene you know, within it. It's not uh, an over-abstract idea. You know, it's kind of, it's just a very, it's another heavenly day, another extremely warm day, you know, and exposed in this environment, you know, where Beckett has kind of set them. But there is a kind of quotidian uh, sort of domestic thing to it, you know, between husband and wife. And she happens to babble a lot and he kind of, you know, grunts the odd time and goes there she's at it again here's another heavenly day for him like you know there's the irony <laughs> you know but it, uh you know so it, it kind of is it, for me it's it's very much grounded in something very real mm. you know as opposed to it being an abstract uh idea you know i mean the situation is is obviously a little bit surreal you know uh, in the environment in which you find them mm. You there, know, there must be a great rapport between yourself and John Carthy as cast members to, to, to bring that to life. <laughs> yeah, you know, there is. We traveled up in the car uh, yesterday and, you know, the, it was only coming towards the end of the journey from Sligo to Galway that we kind of thought, God, maybe we should talk about the play now. But it was really nice just to not, you know, to kind of distract ourselves and have a little bit of, of a laugh on the way up as well at the same time. Johnny and I have been working together for so long, you know, so, and, and Niall Henry, and uh, so, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're only delighted that we're still talking after sort of, you know, 31, 32 years <laughs> working together with Blue Raincoat. Uh, so there's got to be lightness, you know, obviously, when, when you're doing a very complex kind of piece like this, you know, and, uh, you know, you, I'll, I'll be off with my little series head on me, you know, kind of darting off into a, into the corner of a, a very quiet room, <laughs> you know, or Johnny might be going around doing something completely different. But, you know, we'll be we'll be meeting up and uh, we've got a little tech this afternoon. So it's, it, you know, without each other and in, in the same way as, you know, Winnie couldn't, you know, really live without Willie. He's part of her days, part of her life. He's part of you know, the things that kind of keep her going, you know. So that's very much kind of, you know, life imitating art almost, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, a, in a kind of surreal way. Mm. Talk to us a bit about your acting career to date and some of the, the shows and different parts you'd have played. Yeah, so I, I've been uh, working with the company since 1997 and pretty much been in all productions uh, since then, far too many for me to kind of, you know, uh, say over over uh, the programme. But, you know, we've adapted uh, a number of plays, uh, you know, with Jocelyn Clark. I suppose I did the three Flann O'Briens and played the, the fella uh, in, in all three of them. But the company has, you know, done new work as well. You know, Malcolm Hamilton that started the company with Niall. I've done a number of his plays, beautiful writing. Uh, you know, we've done the sing... Uh, of, of the world um, uh, and we've devised pieces you know the last piece that we did we hadn't devised a piece uh, in a while I suppose aside from you know Shackleton that we've revisited a number of times 
And that was really good to do because you're kind of all in the room, you know, you've got a, the director might have, now let's have a little bit of an idea. And then we would kind of really start to kind of, you know, uh, bring the idea into a sort of a theatrical reality, you know, and, and graft it that way. So it's, it's you know, down the years, uh, you know, I've done Yates as well. So a, a lot of kind of different genres, I suppose, you know, of theatre. Um, so in that sense, it's great. It's been a very colourful career, you know, um, and and may it, may it continue, you know? Yeah. As but long as I can keep going, no more than Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that back and forth between actors and directors during the creative process, it's, it's fascinating. Talk to us about what Niall Henry, the director, brings to the table in this production. In, in, in this production of Happy Days? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, he, he's, been, he's been an incredible guide you know, and uh, Niall has always encouraged, you know, that I find my my version of Winnie, you know. Um, so he's, he's kind of been able to sort of look at the play, um, you know, from very different angles, I suppose, to the way that sometimes I can, uh, you know, being right in it and, you know, under the pressure in a sense of, of uh, doing such a mammoth piece, you know. Um, so he, he's very much a guide and, and has a huge insight into, you know, what exactly is happening, if you like, at certain moments where, you know, we'd all sort of be confused and kind of go, what, what in God's name is actually is going on here, you know. Um, and he would have a, just a, a really sort of excellent kind of... Uh, directorial kind of talent and insight in that sense to sort of take certain sections of the play, you know, maybe analyze them without, you know, the anal you know, an analysis by paralysis, not that, you know, from yeah. very much from uh, a sort of deeper place, a more kind of profound place within, within the piece and what Becca was trying to say, let's say, or what we want to say with Beckett. And just that sort of outside eye, and then I, I think uh, also um, the idea of the consistency throughout the piece, because there are a couple of non sequiturs. In other words, you know, you don't quite know where certain things are coming from, and you know how to treat them within the piece. You know, she she picks certain things like completely out of the blue. And then, you know, how to treat certain things and the tone of it. We've tried different interpretations with Happy Days because we did do it last year. And, you know, even if we worked on it over the next number of months or years, I think uh, because of its complexity that, that it's the kind of piece that would keep growing. You don't get to a part where you kind of go, this is it, this is the ultimate interpretation, this is how we're doing it full stop. It's very much a live performance, you know, because Winnie is is in the moment. It's a very, very, very present world that she lives in, you know. So Niall is an integral part, you know, because uh, otherwise I could have my sort of chin, in, you know, in, in my hands and sort of drive myself crazy if he wasn't there to kind of, you know, be the, be the ultimate guide, you know, and then we get a feel you know, for it together, I guess, from there. And then, you know, confront, not try and park 
certain difficulties that we'd have, but we do, you know, sort of dig in and, and do the best that we can do to kind of, you know, rip it up and tear it apart and not be precious about it to see where we land, you know. Well, I have run out of time on it, but uh, thanks indeed for joining us. Uh, Sandra O'Malley there, who plays Winnie in the Happy Days production by Samuel Beckett at Town Hall Theatre. This evening, get your tickets there for the 8 o'clock showing. Sandra, thanks indeed for joining us on Galway Talks. Thanks a million for having me on. Chat to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To announce the winner of our Mubles 100 voucher for today, it is Agatha McCormick from Rahoon. Well done to you. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we'll be looking at that mother and baby homes redress scheme. Also, Quit Smoking West team marks Ash Wednesday, National Smoking Day. Less ash, more cash. Power Up team wins first Irish leg of Invent for the Planet for prototype affordable energy generator. We'll have the motoring slot, we'll have the job spot, we'll also have Galway featuring on this week's episode of Home of the Year, as well as that global congenital Heart Disease Awareness Month is taking place this month and details of a conference on The Beat Goes On and also BPW Galway Candlelighting Supper event. I've been John Morley. Thanks to Darren who produced today's programme and also Trey's who took your comments at reception. We're back again tomorrow. From all here, have a very good afternoon. Galway Talks in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.